Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today I want to speak to you um, on the subject, rain and restoration. I'm going to continue our, I don't know if it's a series or a season, but, but this is in the, in the story of the showdown between Jezebel, Ahab, and Elijah. There's still more in this story, and I believe that God's going to speak to us through it. But uh, the subject is rain and restoration. We're going to go back to 1 Kings chapter 18 and read two verses, and then we'll jump into it. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41 says, Now Elijah said to Ahab, it's good to get back with our old friends, Elijah and Ahab. He says, Go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of the rushing of rain. Another translation says, I can hear the sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. But Elijah, he went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth, and he put his face between his knees, and Elijah began to pray. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, right now, we set this moment before you. We dedicate this moment to you and this church to you. Come and speak to us right now. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. 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 Today, I want to talk to you at the very beginning of this year on how to prayerfully position yourself for God's promises in 2021. How to prayerfully position yourself for God's promises in your life. We see this concept of positioning yourself through this story of Ahab and Elijah. Just to catch you up quickly, I've been speaking on this story throughout the year. I believe this story is, is a scene for the season that we are currently in. And we, we, we see Ahab was a wicked king over Israel, and, and he he, having a wicked spirit on him, he attracted a like spirit, and, and he married a wicked woman named Jezebel, and together their wickedness began to grow and overflow on the nation, because what was on them eventually got on the people that they led. And Israel as a nation, God's people, chosen, holy, set apart, led by God, began to drift slowly over the time away from their one true love. They drifted away from the God that rescued them, and they found themselves worshiping these false gods that were introduced in their society by someone that did not know God. And they followed the way of Ahab and Jezebel, and they were led astray. And, and they began to, to, to slip into secularism, and therefore, destruction and devastation, plague and famine began to follow. Because hear me, when you remove yourself from the hand of God, you remove yourself from his blessings, from his protection, from his prosperity. When you drift away from God, you, not, you don't just drift away from him, you drift into something else. And so they drifted under a totally different ideology. They came under the protection of Baal, a false God who had no hand of protection, had no active movement, had no love, had no grace, had no mercy. And what came was devastation. And we've seen this throughout history with many different societies when they move away from God. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said that all of the devastation that happened in Soviet Russia under the harsh hand of communism began when people began to forget God. When you begin to forget God, you move into a sunken place. And this is where Israel was, where they were without their protection. But God had a plan. I want you to know no matter how far you drift, no matter how far you go, God has a plan of rescue and restoration. Because that's who he is. 
Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the rescuer. And so he is always actively planning, preparing, and moving to your rescue, to the rescue of his people. I'm very grateful that God is not like us because if it was us and our, the person that we love kept constantly drifting away from us, eventually he'd say, you know what, I'm going over here. But God is not like us. He doesn't say, told you so, you deserve it, that's what you get. God constantly says, ah, there they go again. And he mounts up a restoration to woo his first love back to himself. We serve a God that so loves that he runs to you, he focuses on you, he brings mercy to you. He's a good God. What he does to individuals, he will also do to nations. So God raised up Elijah a prophet, a man of God, to begin to speak truth into that midst of darkness and bring order into the midst of chaos to bring God's truth back to God's people. And so Elijah confronted, uh, uh, he confronted uh, the wicked king and, and, and queen Jezebel and Ahab, and, and there was a showdown between their prophets and God's prophet. 450 on the pro prophet of Baal's side, one on God's side. But understand this, and this is a universal truth, you and God are always a majority. You're always a majority. Amen? And God loves to show that. He shows it with David and Goliath. He shows it with Gideon. Here he's showing it with Elijah. There's a showdown. They, they pray to their God, Baal. Nothing happens because their false ideology cannot take active measures in their life. But Elijah prays to a living and active, a holy God. And fire comes from heaven and consumes their sacrifice. The fire from heaven is God's intervention. And I don't know. Uh, I, oh, let, me, let me say it this way. We need God's intervention an intercession in this world. We need fire from heaven. We need God to show up because we are at the absolute end of ourselves. And no secular humanistic ideology has come to the rescue. Every single social institution has failed and it has failed miserably. Every single thing we have ever put our trust in has crumbled before our eyes in this past year. It has been exposed for the lack of power that it's always had. It's never, it's, it's never been anything other than a false idol. But when it came time for it to show up, it blew up, but here's God who comes with fire and fury. Here's God who comes with miracles and mercy. Here's God that shows up with love and correction. Here's God that comes with intervention. And we need God's intervention in this world and in this nation because nothing and no one can save us except for him. Even Elijah, all he could do was ask. It had to be God that showed up. The fire comes down. The hand of God comes down and accepts Elijah's sacrifice. You know the story, right? All of a sudden, the people are awakened. They're not only awakened to the reality of God. They're also awakened to the depth of depravity that they sunk into. They begin to repent. They begin to, to fall on their face, say, the Lord is God. I'm sorry I went in that direction. I'm sorry I got caught up in that junk. I'm sorry I used to think like that, act like that. And they began to turn on the false prophets, the Pied Pipers, the leaders that led them astray from God. And those 450 prophets of Baal were slaughtered, removed completely from society. And now they stand at this next moment. What are they going to do? God just showed up, awakened his people. They've repented. Now what's the next step? This is where we find ourselves in the story. We see that a leader is about to step up to help the people take the next step. 
to help them prayerfully position themselves for God's promise. And I believe that's the state that we as people and as a church are finding ourselves right now. How are we going to prayerfully position ourselves? Who are we going to align with? Because understand, there's two different responses to God's outpouring. There's Ahab's and then there's Elijah's. And I believe both responses show a pattern of how people respond. How are we going to respond? Like Ahab or like Elijah? We see that Ahab, after all God did, what does he do? The Bible says Ahab went up to eat and to drink. But Elijah went to Mount Carmel to pray. Two totally different responses. One feasted, one fasted. One was self-indulgent, the other entered into self-denial. One considered himself first, the other, and this is important, considered the people first. Considered God first. Two radically different responses. Understand, they both saw the fire come from heaven. That should have been the moment where Ahab said, I went wrong. That should have been his moment of repentance. God gives people so many opportunities to change. He gives us so many blatant opportunities to change. And yet Ahab's core problem was his selfishness. It's our core problem. It's humanity's core problem. And he chose to indulge instead of intercede for the people. These are two different patterns on which, what, what path are you going to choose? Which response are you going to choose? When God shows up in this world, in our nation, in this church, or in your life, what will your response be? Will it be to avoid, to cope, to do your own thing, to consider only yourself, your needs, your family? Or will you and we as a church begin to step up and step into all that God has for us? I believe today is the day of leadership. Leadership is needed. And this is the moment that shows the true leader of Israel. Ahab was king, but he wasn't leader. Elijah was just a prophet. He was just a a prayer warrior. He was just a, a, a church member, a leader, and yet he was anointed in that moment to lead Israel back to God. The king, Ahab, abdicated his position of leadership. This is the pattern in his life. But Elijah stepped in to that moment of leadership. Who is going to represent the people? You know what's so interesting is the people needed a leader at that moment. They were in famine for three and a half years. They were misled. They had nobody and nothing they needed. They were in shortage. Look, this is the moment we're living in right now. The people and our nation is in a moment of shortage, and it's looking who will be our protection. How will we position ourselves? Who will be our leader? And our choice, our choice, and everyone's choice is will they act as Ahab or will they act as Elijah? The king, Ahab, he chose to go out and eat and drink. That's the flesh. But the spirit chooses self-denial. The king chose to do his own thing his own way to care first and foremost for himself and let the people find their own way. And, and this is where we're in it as a society. Not only are the people in America and certainly around the world in mass shortage, in need, uh, not having a protection, not having leadership, but more than that, the leaders of our society have abandoned their responsibility to people. It's so funny. Ahab goes off and eats. And, and, and And Elijah tells him, you go and eat. You know why? Because that's all you've been doing. Three and a half years, there's been a famine. Ahab hasn't missed one meal. He hasn't been thirsty. He's had the privilege of being a king without the responsibility of leading the people. 
and representing them to God. Make no mistake, this is what we are seeing in our society. Those whose paychecks have not been interrupted by one cent are shutting everyone else's business down. This is absolutely wrong. It's ungodly and it's unethical. It's unethical. And where, where do we look to? And who do we look to? And what's even worse is the society, our, our, our nation, most of them don't even have a revelation of God. Can you imagine going through 2020 without having, without having a revelation of God? They are left unprotected. They are left unled. And they, more than that, are being actively opposed by their leaders. They can't even open their business to put food on their table for their children. And meanwhile, the feast goes on for those who govern. It's ungodly. It's unrighteous. And look, I'm glad that you got 600 bucks. <laughs> but it's pittance from what was stolen from this nation and sent out to foreign nations. I'm not saying I have the answer. I don't quite know what to do. I don't know who to turn to, but I know this. We could be Elijah's in this moment, not feast, care for ourselves, hoard and make sure we got our next meal. That's what they're doing. We as the church are gonna stand up. We're gonna pray to a mighty God. We're going to ask for him to intervene. We're going to ask for him to bring answers. We're going to ask for rain and restoration because that's the heart of God, that there is not just repentance, but that there's restoration. The repentance unlocks the restoration. The repentance brings the rain. God is the God of rain, renewal, restoration, and revival. God is a giving God. He's a giving God, and good leaders give far more than they take. That is a good God, and we look like God when we begin to give, when we begin to represent others, when we consider others more than we consider ourselves. Isn't that the golden rule that Jesus came to establish? It is better to give than to receive. This is what Elijah does. When the king takes... Elijah says, I'm going to stand for the nation and I'm going to give. I'm going to pour out my prayer. I'm going to pour out my heart. I'm going to pour out my soul. I don't have much more than that to give, Peter says. Silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I give to you. Rise, take up your mat, and walk. We've got faith to give. We've got prayer to give. We've got fasting to give. We've got self-denial to give. We can come before the king of kings. When the king fails, we go to the king of kings. When the governance fails, we go to the higher power. When those who protected us have failed, our strength has failed, we go to the, the, the commander of the angel armies of heaven. We plead our case before God for our children and our children's children. Right now, the enemy's trying to interrupt the legacy of our children. Take what should be our children's and send it off around the world. But I pray that God brings tenfold what we lost to generation upon generation, that he pays us back for last year, that he comes with the miraculous and the supernatural. Ahab doesn't get the final say here. God has the final say here. He is the source of our blessings. He is the source of our protection. He 
is our God. Let Baal fall and let God arise and let his people arise. Understand what I'm saying here. I'm not speaking about political things, although the whole world is political. So there's not one subject I could talk about that's not political. So I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm not talking in political terms. As I said, I don't have the answers. I don't know. I'm not here to present policy to you. But I am here to supersede all that and go to the one that knows all, the creator God, who still does miracles. I can hear the sound of a rushing rain. I can hear the sound of a rushing rain. So what did Elijah have to do? As Ahab went off and feasted, Elijah chose to fast. Can you imagine how exhausted Elijah must have been at this moment? All day long, he's been battling against the prophets of Baal, setting up the altar, pleading before God. For three and a half years, he's suffered along with the people. How exhausted must he have been at this moment? And now, as the king who didn't do anything is about to go feast, now Elijah still has to go another step? He's got to pray again? He's got to push through again? Listen, I understand 2020 was an exhausting year, to say the least. When I talk about prayer and fasting, you might feel like, I just did that all year. I had nothing left to give. I want you to hear me. You got one more. You got one more in you. You got another day. You got another month. You got another year. You've got a little bit more prayer. You've got a little bit more pushing. You've got a little bit more effort in you. And it is necessary right now. Ahab did what he desired. But Elijah did what was required. And because of Elijah, God began to restore Israel and all that around it to himself. I believe that right now it is still necessary for the church to pray once more, to fast once more, to have faith once more. Now is not the hour to go off and do our own thing. Now is not the hour to disengage and disconnect. Now is not the hour to just move into survival. Now is the hour where we come before the king and we say, Lord, we know your promise and your heart is for restoration. I know it's God's heart because it's on my heart. And I'm nowhere near as graceful and loving as God. I know it's difficult to believe. But when I see what, what, what my friends and, and, and my people, my nation is going through, my heart breaks saying, God, we need restoration. God, help us. If it's on my heart, it's certainly on God's heart. God's heart is restoration of his people. And so God puts it on the heart of Elijah. So Elijah comes before God and he says to Ahab, I'm going to pray because I can hear the sound of a rushing rain. What was he listening to? He was listening to the supernatural. Sometimes if you only look at the natural, you'll have no faith. If you just look at your circumstances, broken relationships, you lost a job, maybe a child's not speaking to you, and if you would try and extrapolate your faith from situations, you'll, you'll have none. If you're going to try and extrapolate your faith from last year, you might not have any. But if you will put your faith in God because of who he is and what he's done, if you'll reach above the natural into the supernatural, you might be able to hear something that you don't yet see. You might be able to hear a better word. You might be able to grasp encouragement. You might be able to see a better future. But you got to get with God. You got to get with God. 
Jesus says this, because one thing I think 2020 has taught us is to get away with God. Jesus says this. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on, a relig on religion? Come to me. we got to get alongside Jesus. He says, get away with me and you'll recover. I'll bring restoration to your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I'm not, I, I don't believe this has to be striving. I believe this is getting alone with God, getting re-energized. You know, the lie of the enemy is that fasting takes stuff out of you. It's not true. It, it does maybe physically until you figure out how poorly you ate and now your good diet is bringing energy. So <laughs> fasting doesn't take stuff out of you. Fasting puts stuff in you. Fasting begins to bring clarity to your mind. It begins to bring faith into your heart. See, this is what Elijah said. I'm going to go fast because I need, to, I need to hear what's happening in heaven. I hear the sound of a rushing, of a rushing rain. He, he, he goes on, he goes on uh, to, to get alone with God, and, and he begins to pray, and he begins to tune his ear, and he begins to listen for the supernatural. That's what you have to do. You have to begin to tune into God and tune out of the world. Leonard Ravenhill says this. Uh, he, he says, quit playing, start praying. Quit feasting, start fasting. Talk less with men, talk more with God. Listen less to men, listen to the words of God. You got to tune in to the words, the sound of heaven. To do that, you got to tune out from everything else going around you. You ever found yourself on the couch, you got the TV on, you got a laptop, and you're scrolling on your phone? And you say, what have I become? This is the future I was promised? Bag of Cheetos. You can never, you can never hear heaven in that circumstance. There's too much noise going on. This is why at the beginning of the year we say, let's take a moment right now. Let's tune in to heaven. Let's fast that stuff. Let's put it away. Let's come before God because might we hear what's happening in the supernatural. I can hear the sound of rain. He could hear God's move before he could ever see God move. He could hear God's move in the spirit before he could ever see God's move in the flesh. That's where faith comes in. Hebrews 11 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. Faith is for the in-between. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. What is this saying? It's saying faith bridges the gap between the natural and the supernatural. It is by faith that we will be able to see in the natural what God is beginning to do in the supernatural. Faith is the bridge for the in-between. Faith, faith is for that moment where you can sense it, but you can't yet see it. That, that in-between, that's, that's where faith is engaged. I, I live by a train and... and comes by like three in the morning, and before you ever are able to see it, you can sense it. You, you begin to hear the elements. You hear the, the train horn a, a long way off, and you begin to feel a rumble in the kitchen until eventually the whole house begins to shake. And I, I love it. I love living next to the train. It might annoy some people, but I feel like I'm living in a Johnny Cash song. <laughs> I'm fine with it, you know. But you can, you can sense it before you see it. And so some people, when they're over and, and the train comes, and they're like, what is happening? Ah, uh, it's the train. It's the train. How do you know? You can't see it yet. Yeah, but, but I got faith that it's coming because I know how this thing works. So I've seen it happen before. And these senses eventually give, give way to sight. 
Wait around and you'll see it manifest. What am I saying? I'm saying when you begin to go into the spirit realm, when you get attuned to the supernatural, God will begin to speak to you. He'll begin to give you senses. He'll begin to raise your faith, give you hope. And no one else around you, they, they might not get it, but maybe they're not tuned in. They might not understand it. What's happening? It seems like rumbling chaos. It seems like an earthquake. Yeah, but you know what this is because you know who God is and you know what God's speaking to you. I can hear the sound of rain. And that's what faith is. It's for the in-between, from where we are to where we will be, from what God has done to what God will do. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is necessary because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. He is a rewarder. He is a restorer. He is a renewer. He is a reviver of those who tune into him. Understand, seeking includes listening and speaking. It's not just praying, it's listening for a response. You ever play hide and seek? Not only do you say, where are you? You listen for the, if it's in my case, the giggling children. <laughs> I want you to know, God, he wants to be found, by the way. When you play hide and seek with God, he is not the best hide and seek player. He laughs, he makes noise, he lets you know. Every Sunday, I'm over here. He wants to be found. He is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. So Hosea says, so, so let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. Let's dive in. Let's move towards him. Let's press on. Let's push through. Let's, take, let's go that extra step. As Jesus said, let's go the extra mile. For as surely as the sun rises, he will appear. And he will come to us like the rain, like the spring showers that water the earth. This is God's promise. He will bring the rain of restoration. I don't know if God will bring it in three weeks, three months, or three years. But no, God is faithful to bring the rain of restoration. He will appear. How many people need the rain of restoration in their life? Need it in your mind. You need it in your emotions. You need it in your workplace. You need it with your children. God's promise is I will bring it. Come and ask. Ask, seek, and knock, and the door will be open to you. So this is what Elijah does. The Bible says that he got away from it all. And he got away from everything else. You ever notice? He sends Ahab to his side, and he goes to his place. Ahab goes to the bottom of the mountain, and Elijah goes to the top. Because sometimes you can't be around people that bring no faith. Sometimes you need to, to cause a little bit of room so that your faith can begin to flourish. You go do your thing, but I don't want that negative talk. I'm not going to come into agreement with it. I'm not going to be a doomer. I'm not going to be a downer. I'm not going to lay down and, and die with you in that pit. I'm going up high. And I'm going to begin to pray. And you notice that he, he positioned himself to pray. You know, there are some prayers that you can pray real quick. God, I need my keys. Help me out. God. You ever notice when you do find your keys, you never thank God for that? Conviction. There's other times where you'll, you'll pray, you'll get on your knees. And I think it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's just prostrating yourself before the Lord. But here, the, the Bible tells us he got in the fetal position because he was, he was really having to seek God. He was coming as a child. He was coming to represent the nation. 
He, he, he got into a place where he wasn't just going to pray. He was going to be prayerful. He was going to pray until he saw something change. And I want to say this. We, as a church, we will not move on until we see God move. We're not going to move on. Just get back to life. Just accept it. It's the new normal. Get used to it. This is the, this is the boot of tyranny. You better like it. We're not just going to move on and say, oh, that's fine. It is what it is. This is going to be a terrible existence for the next 30 years. We are going to pray God into the situation. We are going to pray God into the government. We're going to pray God into the economy. We're going to pray God back into the schools. We're going to pray God back into the medical industry. We're going to pray God back into the churches. We're going to pray God back into our children. We are going to pray and pray and pray until we see what we hear. I hear the sound of rain, but we got to see it. In our nation, for our children, we are not going to just move on until we see a move of God. You say, Jordan, you've been preaching on Ahab and Elijah for 20 weeks. I'll preach for 20 more until we see the fulfillment of God in our time. And in this place, can you say amen? Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.